16 teams have left the UEFA Champions League after the competitions of the group stage were finished on Wednesday. Eight of those 16 teams can still participate in the UEFA Europa League, but Manchester United are not one of them, neither are Newcastle United. Welcome back to CGTN Sports Talk. I am your host, Li Xiang, and I'm glad to be joined by my colleague, Josh here. Great to be back. I wanted to say that from the very start of this year's Champions League, I think we both agreed that chances of United making it to the next stage are not so good. I didn't expect them to, you know, go out like this at the bottom of the group. Yeah, especially because all the way through, they were beaten or had competitive games with Galatasaray and Copenhagen, who are so much smaller. Mm -hmm. Because even though United have been bad, they've looked terrible. They're still, you know, at that time of recording, like sixth place in the Premier League, you know, they are still winning games by hook or by crook. And you did just assume that just a moment of brilliance or the individual skill of a Bruno Fernandes or someone would carry them through against these smaller teams, one of which in Galatasaray is kind of like a smaller version of PSG, a lot of mercenaries, famous names, not necessarily known for its cohesion. And Copenhagen is just a very small side in general. And yet you end up in the scenario where they just are very uncompetitive against all of them. And I did assume, based on the way this group was laid out, I thought it would be Bayern at the top, Probably United second, Galatasaray third. But after those those first two or three games, I still thought Manchester United would go through to the Europa League. Mm -hmm. And instead, here they are, dead bottom, on the very last um, on the very last day of the group stage we're ever going to get. And it's quite simply, you know, where, where do we even start with this team? Because it's as bad as it's ever been, mm -hmm. despite having so many flashes of brilliance despite being, you know, how many managers now since the days of Sir Alex Ferguson, how many times have we had about Ten Hag being a disciplinarian and sorting things out in the in the locker room and that's fallen apart. Now, quite simply, this team is in like this awful limbo where they're qualifying for these tournaments, they're getting towards the top end of the Premier League and then when they get the losing in ridiculous situations. That's true. So before that final game, they were... Uh, the thing is, I, I remember the scenario was first they need to beat by Munich and then they needed mm. a draw between Copenhagen and Galatasaray. That was actually the scenario because I know that Bayern sent all of their starting players after that 1-5 uh, loss to Frankfurt, but they didn't seem to be playing with their full strength and they did left a few opportunities for United to exploit, but it didn't work. Yeah, that was it because I think we were talking about this last time or maybe we were talking about it just in person. With the this fixture in particular, on one hand, Bayern already threw... So it reasonably doesn't matter. Anything could have happened in this game. If, if they would have lost 10-0, they're still through on points. So you know on one hand they aren't going to give it their all. But on the other hand, one, it's the historic fixture between the two in the Champions League. Like Bayern Munich are never going to let the 99 final go. These two teams could be playing in any scenario. This could be a European Super Cup or let's pretend alternate universe. Somehow it's in the Europa Conference League meaningless in general, whatever. 
Bayern are not always going to turn up for this because of the historical format. Mm-hmm. Then, like you say, there was that 5-1 loss to Frankfurt, which is one of those results that, yes, it was shocking, but there's always this time in the Bayern Munich season where they kind of wobble a little bit, and then they very quickly get back to business as usual. So I was assuming Bayern were going to turn up here and just absolutely thump United, especially after seeing United lose 3-0 to Bournemouth the past week. Yeah. Um, instead, yes, they did give basically a full-strength uh, starting eleven, but it seemed to just be a lot more controlling the game, not really taking the best chances. And when they got that uh, the goal... It was pretty late on. I want to say it was like the 70th minute, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And it was simply just a case of, by that point, they were already in the box. They played it through. Kane set up. Kingsley Coman found the space, went through, scored the goal. And as soon as they got that, they just kind of shut up shop. It was very much a case of, perhaps if they were coming with the chip on their shoulder, perhaps Tuchel told them to be careful after the loss. Perhaps Tuchel told them not to get too emotional. Or perhaps it was a case that they were already through. They didn't need to be emotional or try too hard. But either way, this was a full-strength buy-in, playing at half-strength, and United still offered absolutely nothing. That's true. I mean, uh, United, they scored 12 goals. It was exactly as many as Bayern did, and Bayern were on the top. And they, they mm. allowed 15 goals, the most in this Champions League. I think it's also the most by any Premier League club. So what, what was that? I mean, remember last season, there was this very short and small uh, rejuvenation of United because they have solid and tough defense. After so many investments during the uh, offseason, that defense mm. was gone? Well, that that's, that's the ongoing mystery of this team. It's... You know, I, the last time we spoke about this, I was telling you I thought Rasmus Hoyland had a very bright future. Yeah. Since then, since then he scored no goals, had no assists, mm-hmm. and he started in this game and was just completely absent. Like, uh, Diotopo Meccano was basically the main reason for the, let's say, at least three of the five goals they shipped last time out. Mm-hmm. But him and uh, Kim just ran rings around him. He basically barely got a touch. They can, the wingers, the wingbacks, I mean, completely shut down Anthony. And then with Garnacho, I don't know if it's a case of the goal against Everton that went to his head or if, like the rest of the team, he just plays as a mercenary out there on his own. But he was just trying to play on his own without bringing anyone else in. And that's fine when you have a moment of brilliance. But when you don't, you just can't really do anything. And... As well as that, remember the last game they had, it was like basically 4-1, I think it was, and then mm-hmm. Bayern, then United came back into it and then did 4-3. The, when the opportunities are there, Manchester United have been able to take them in the past. And this time it wasn't a case of being able to take them. It was a case of they needed to take them. And they simply didn't, simply couldn't, shut down very simply. Um just quickly going through the rest of the players, like Sofian Amrabat, I don't know how he's in this starting team. Like, there is this belief, at least there used to be, that to get into the United team, you had to be kind of like an all-star. Mm-hmm. And even then, Alex Ferguson or someone would sort you out and make sure you played to the best of your abilities. Sofian Amrabat and Scott McTominay as that two in the midfield. McTominay 
plays in midfield, but you can tell he's got an eye for goal and he's willing to just give up his position if he sees space. Yeah. So the entire right side, you can just just leaves acres basically if he if he thinks he can get something. And Amrabat, he got a yellow, but all he seems to do are cynical fouls, which is a complete waste of a midfield. And that, that's the thing which I'm kind of the topic, I guess, to sum up this game is because of the position of Bayern already qualified, because of them kind of weakened coming in, mm-hmm. you can't really tell if they couldn't get anything going or if they didn't want to. But just the United side who needed to get things going just couldn't do anything. It was a real, real flat performance. That's true. I think it's very ironic that because all of this happened under the manager, Eric Tinghak, who was supposed to be disciplinary. Apparently, mm. whatever he was trying to taught his players about discipline, they didn't learn. And the、yeah. close game, actually, to me, it went down so dramatically after Copenhagen scored that goal. It's like United players suddenly lost their hope. Their motivation was like, yeah, whatever is gonna happen. Even if we win, we're not gonna make it out of the group. And then there was the buying goal. This whole club is like, like what you said. They don't know, or they know, but they don't care about their positions. They don't care about their、mm. duties. Everyone is not working for himself, but definitely not working for the whole team. They're not looking at the whole picture. They're all a bunch of mercenaries now. Yeah, definitely. And like, just slightly related to that, a new story I was seeing before this is people reminding, basically putting out there that there was that time when Harry Kane was meant to be going to United. Yeah, and he chose Bayern Munich instead. And he's playing with a smile on his face. He looks happy to be out there. There was that weird moment where he kind of squared up to Garnacho.、Mm-hmm. The ball went out of play, and he kind of followed him and just like stared him down, and they had to be separated.、Um, but besides for that, I think Harry Kane is looking at this squad that he plays in, looking at the squad he could have been part of, and thinking to himself that he really dodged a bullet. I think so. So.、Um... To me, I think sixteen, or let, let's just say, most of the traditional powerhouses, I think, made it to the next stage. But the group of death, Group F, there are four of them. I、mm. would say that it, I won't be surprised if any of them advances or gets knocked out. But still, this whole process and also the results of the two final games were kind of quirky to me, like. I don't know how they came to this end. Like Newcastle United having nothing more to play, and AC Milan beat them, and also PSG actually going forward as the second place. This is also、mm. weird. Yeah, of all the groups that we've had, like I try and watch as many games as I can, but Group F was the one where I felt like I had to see every single game because it was so close from the very start, and for it to end in that. Configuration like I never I would have guessed it. Like to be honest, based on what I've seen of them in the Bundesliga, I almost assumed Dortmund would go out,、mm-hmm. and instead there they are on the top with eleven points. Somehow they've been the most consistent team of the group. Yeah. When in their league play, they're up and down every single week,、uh, and Newcastle not even getting to the Europa League. Which,、mm. I mean, the the end of that game in general, I think that was a. Not necessarily a bad game、mm-hmm. for Newcastle, but just a sign of their limitations. Because compared to that first game where there was so much energy and St James's Park was just going absolutely crazy for it, this time around they just looked tired, just looked slow, just looked completely flat out of ideas. Like 
The goal that they scored, uh, basically just on the first half hour by uh, Joel and Tom, mm-hmm. up until that point, all they'd done was basically storm up the pitch, get the ball to Anthony Gordon, and then Gordon will pass it along to Almiron or Wilson or someone, and then they will take a shot. And it was just going the exact same way. It goes up the left, crosses across to the right, at which point someone be it Teo Hernandez or even be it Mike Mignano, someone would save it or even deflect it because they kind of knew it was coming. And then when it went the other way to, I mean, when it went to the goal for Joelinton, it was, uh, I believe it was Gordon to Wilson, Wilson to Miley, and Miley went back because everyone had ran across the pitch. All the uh, Milan defenders had ran across the pitch, left time, left space. He took it pretty cleanly, almost like a half volley, scored the goal. So just that little bit of creativity sorted them out. But it was almost like they were so tired that they didn't have the mental capacity for it or didn't have the energy, whatever it was. And it was that which ended up backfiring on them in the second half, Mm -hmm. which is really quite weird because this Milan side, like, it's not very mobile. Like, you have Giroud up front, who at this age is just on his own. Mm Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say Ruben Loftus-Cheek or Christian Pulisic are particularly amazing. So if you just like box in Rafael Liao with like double coverage or something, you should basically prevent the ball from moving. And instead, you just have these pretty two, these two pretty simple, pretty slow teams just like running back and forth for the entire game. And then quite simply with the uh, Christian Pulisic goal, it was the same thing. They instead of just running right through the middle and trying to blast it, they passed it around the edge and scored while um, Newcastle was simply too slow. And the same thing happened, actually, with the Samuel Chiquese goal. Mm -hmm. I was thinking to myself, okay, it's 1-1. It's a draw. At the very, very least, like, shut the game down, shut up shop. You have your point. You're going to be going to the Europa League. Milan are going home. But instead, they were still just trying to go end to end, which is what they've been doing the entire game. Yeah, not without the legs to do it, without the creativity to do it. Left so much space. Like when I forget who it was who burst through, might be Musa, I think. Should have just uh, or Lukasovic, perhaps. But that point, either way, should have shut him down. Cynical foul, get a yellow, maybe even a red, whatever you need to make sure you keep the points to go through into the next round. Instead. They just let it go right the way through. And then the ball was ping-pong slightly between Noakafor and Chiquese. And then he scored. And again, like I say, Fabian Shaw, Lascelles, Kieran Trippier just didn't have the energy, didn't have the momentum to stop it. And it just looked like it was going in in slow motion. And to go from that high energy of that first one, of the first game against PSG, to this, like it's almost a sign, like almost proof that they don't have the maturity for a European competition. No, they don't. Uh, for Newcastle, I was actually reading an interesting article about They say this team, including their manager and their players, they have been working very hard, almost like uh, what Jurgen Klopp has been doing with Liverpool. 
it's like they ask everyone to move around all the way to go end to end to、uh, work for every ball. It's all、mm. good, but there's a limit of how this style of playing can reach, especially when you have all these players who are more hardworking than talented. Like you know, the kind of、uh, very talented. You have the charisma or you have the inspiration to pull that key play, and then you can change everything. They don't have that kind of talents, or they only have one or two players with that kind of talents, and that's why they now look so tired. Like it consumes、mm. them quickly, and like maybe also that's why when they can actually live with the draw, they still do that because it's already in their habit, and they've been doing, it, and that's why they allow that second goal by Milan. And not only that, but you look at that Liverpool squad under Klopp, and two things are very very obvious. One. It burns players out. They、mm-hmm. don't last all that long. And two, you need rotation in your games, especially, especially when I was saying about how they didn't close it down. It was like they didn't really know how to prioritize. Yeah, you know,、uh, cut our losses. Okay, we're not going to win the group, but we can still go to Europe. We can change our priorities on the fly. They don't know whether a game against Everton is important, a game against United is important, whether a game against Milan in Europe is important. So you play the same way every time.、Mm-hmm. Whereas with Klopp. Well, sometimes Salah starts. Sometimes it's Sobich line, and he'll trade them out when necessary. Or the same with Darwin Nunez and、uh, Luis Diaz and players like that. He knows exactly how to use those players. Here, I feel like it's Anthony Gordon, Miguel Almiron all the time.、Mm-hmm. And then when you had the other kind of star players of Alexander Isak and Dan Ber, and they came on late, but the reason why is because they're injured. They had a bunch of muscle strains or whatever it was from playing so many games in a row. So even then, he's doing the Liverpool thing of using your substitutes correctly, but only because he's been forced into it、yeah. by burning the players out. And by that's and by that point, that's not the way to do it because then you have to use them in a desperate situation. You can't use them in the way you want to and the way that that works best for them. So I feel like this is, let's say. Let's let's be charitable and say this was a learning experience for Eddie、mm-hmm. Howe and Newcastle as a team. I think they've been very good in the Premier League. I think they've been good in the Champions League. Obviously, not good enough to get through, but with enough potential that if they learn their right lessons, they'll be back next year or the year after, and they'll get further. But if you learn your lessons the hard way, as they've done here, you end up bottom of a group that you probably could have won.、Mm-hmm, that's true. But again, this is their only, or I mean, their first European Champions League trip in what more than twenty years. So at least, yeah, it's not good enough, but it's a good enough lesson, like you said. So now I think they have a clear targets of whatever kind of players they need to buy and how many of them they need to buy to, let's just say, grow more competitive. I guess. Yeah, but like that—that's it. Like as it stands, I feel like this. I wouldn't say it's like a top-level team because you still have a bunch of guys in there like Dan Ben who've been there since before the buyout. It's not an entirely brand new team, but what I will say is that going forward, they will know that they will need enough players to rotate. That's going to be the thing. I don't know necessarily in terms of if they're going to find particular players、mm-hmm. like a, going back to what we were saying about Liverpool, like a Darwin Nunez type and a Zobrislai type, a guy who's high energy, a guy who's a bit more clinical. Mix and match where necessary, or quite simply, if they're going to be in a position where they're like, okay, well, if we're going to have these high-paced attacking wingers in Gordon Almiron, we're going to need a lot more than just Alexander Isak to back them up, especially when we need him to be our centre forward at different times. So, 
I think that in the um, tra upcoming transfer window, they are going to have to splash the cash a bit and get players in. But maybe not like a superstar, mm -hmm. but a few talented players who are up and coming in the smaller leagues. That's true. And I think so much for today. Thank you for listening. Hopefully, we'll be hearing from you guys very soon next week. See ya. Speak to you then. Bye-bye.